Natural 20s abound. <laughs> No, you haven't tuned into the wrong podcast. It's me, Aaron, from D&D Valiant Odyssey, but this episode features the Crown Killers who has just gone through a portal and found themselves in an expansive open ocean. But before we get into that story, let's introduce our characters so everybody knows who's here. We're going to do name race class, and today you are going to tell us what your character's favorite piece of seafood is. Today, I will go first. My name is Aaron. I'm the Dungeon Master of D&D Valiant Odyssey, and my favorite seafood would have to be Salt and pepper calamari. Mm, mm. Great to have on any occasion. White wine, delicious, beautiful. Love it. You're up, Maddie. Hello, and well, Meth Adventurers. I am Matthew and I play Shavi, the rogue assassin of the group. And Shavi's favorite seafood would be the really, really super poisonous fish that you've got to cut properly Fugu. or else you want to die. Fugu. Mm-hmm. That's a made up word. G'day, guys. Michael and I play Drew Ede, the ugly human druid. Because Drew is such a lover of animals, his favorite seafood would be seaweed. Oh. I'm Tom, and I play Murdoch's Beyond again. Uh, he is a human barbarian berserker, and uh, his favorite seafood would be like that um, deep-fried uh, fisherman's basket you get from the pub. And, you know, it's, it's probably not even seafood. <laughs> it is just like, oh, seafood basket. All right, last but not least, we have Kyle. Yeah, g'day, I'm Kyle. I'm playing uh, Jesui Undu, who's, um, yeah, he does stuff. <laughs> And uh, I think he would be just uh, a singular piece of salmon sashimi. Just uh, salmon on rice. Very nice. A little bit of soy sauce. Delicate and... Uh, mm, chef's kiss. But also, I feel like that fits just we because you'd probably pay like 85 gold for that, that yeah, one yeah, dish. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's just we. Heaps. With the lair of Demos Tortuga crumbling around them, the crown killers had no choice to escape through the mysterious arcane portal that led to God's knows where. After jumping through in their wild-shaped forms, the party now find themselves stranded, but all is not lost. Jusui has in his possession the mysterious Rod of Fathoms, a tool they will use to defeat Delnak the Outcast. If they can ever get home, that is. As we cut in, the four of you in huge giant crab form, back swimming away from the portal that you're currently looking through, and you can see briefly in flashes what is occurring on the other side. You can see rocks falling in front of the portal. You can see a large reptilian figure move across it once more as well. As you look around your space, you see a large, looming, mammoth-like sea creature move across you that blocks out any light or vision from above. You hear it making a sonar-like sound as it begins to make its way past and away from you, seeming unbothered by you. The four of you looking around in this space, you just see open ocean. This vast expanse of space that you do not see edges to. The only thing in your vision, this swirling vortex-like portal, and your allies, as you see... The four pixies just jet through after Drew and start swimming around his crab-like form. What would you guys like to do? In um, crab crab form, Ardox is like, and he says, uh, "Should I throw the bunnit bouncer back through the portal?" I think when we 
well, I didn't see it because I was first through, but when the, I think Jess Wee was last, did it look like, you know, if we had to I don't know, take a guess or a roll <laughs> with Demos swiping all the stone and everything, like, did it look like the portal was going to be destroyed or not accessible or do we think there's a chance of Demos w- coming through? I would say that currently you are seeing small fragments of rock come through as well through this space. You also see a few big ones coming through and some... I'll say at this very moment you see coming through the portal is a rock bigger than the size of the portal, so you can imagine that Demos could probably come through if you wanted to. Okay, I think, yeah, better safe than sorry. I definitely think I'm almost the same thing. I'm looking back at Mardos. Yeah, they're using, pointing they're using to the portal crab, with my, my crab claws. Yeah. And then Mardos is like... Crab sign language. Like, <laughs> how, how do I stop being a crab? <laughs> he stops being a crab. So the pixie that was commanding you drops the fall. For you and Mardox remains in his uh, human form. Well, he um, reaches under his back where he's got like I guess a, a quiver. Is that a quiver? A quiver? Uh, a golf bag. <laughs> it's like a, oh, actually, yeah. So he pulls out like um, he pulls out one, and it's got like a a leather case over the top of it. it looks a bit like a Panzerfaust like rocket. Anyway, he but he, he like undoes it, kind of like like he would like a, a driver out of a golf club uh, golf bag, and he takes it out. And it's just um, the the big old like a, a container of pig fucker um, of uh, anthonium nitrate, and then um, with the rune stuck on the end, and he he like brandishes it at everyone, and like I guess all the other crabs kind of like back up a little bit, and um, he uh, gives it a, gives it a kiss, and then just piffs it on through the uh, the portal, roll it attack, and gives it like a salute. Oh man, it misses. No 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 no, uh, eighteen. Thanks, eighteen. So yes, you watch as this uh, this javelin inlaid with explosive material makes its way over toward the portal, and as it hits the precipice or the event horizon of this space, you watch as it explodes underwater and creates this vacuum. Uh, as it erupts, you guys are filled with this vision of bubbles and smoke and stone as it brushes past your vision, and as this begins to clear and settle, you watch as there is no portal left in front of you. You can see the small fragments of javelin begin to make its way down into the depths below you, which you can see slowly gradients down into a blackness that is very foreboding. How far from the surface are we? As you look up, you can't tell. Can't tell. Damn. Do we know what up is? No. There's no gravity? You're in the ocean. The opposite way to the bits of the javelin. Ah. I mean, oh, I'm a dumb barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> I cut a tree one time and it fell down. <laughs> he reminds me of Thor. Like, he just yeah. comes up with really dumb shit and then really smart shit. Yeah. Yes. So it's at that moment where, Mardox, you start to realize that you're in this underwater space. You're no longer a crab and you're like holding your throat as if you're worried about breathing, but you watch these runes inscribe on the side of your neck which had been cast there by Drew previously. You all have water breathing at this moment. Three crabs, Mardox, and four pixies walk into an underwater space. <laughs> what would you like the to do? The bartender said. <laughs> Let's swim up as fast as we can. Dashing. Someone grabs my... I grab Mardox by the uh, ankle with a with a uh, clipper and then throw him onto my back. And the... <laughs> then we... Uh, can we helicopter? You know how like those crabs <laughs> fucking helicopter? Yeah. Can we just do that? 
Yes, as you begin to make your way upwards, you start to traverse quite a far distance. You watch as the dark abyss below you starts to recede in its gradient and turns more of a bluey color. Looking around in the far distance, you can see almost like a rocky structure that may be shadowed in that space, but you can't be sure over to your left. But you continue upwards, 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 upwards. There does not appear to be a surface. Roll an arcana check, Drew. 10. With a 10, you are perplexed as to why there is no surface to this body of water. The only explanation could be that this space doesn't follow the same rules as the reality you're used to. Mm. Cool. <laughs> just keep <laughs> swimming. Just keep All right. swimming. Lots of bloody sea boys. Did you say there was a structure? There was like a rocky outcropping, yeah, that looks like a big shadowy area. We sort of like, I'm still a crab, aren't I? For the next, I'll say, 55 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So I point across to this rocky structure outcropping thing and start helicoptering my way over there. Okay. You move as does your allies. And as you begin to get closer and closer, you can see that it appears in the distance as this rocky structure that goes down as far as your eyes can see, but it seems to be a valley uh, in between these two rocky areas. And you can see that there is water in between. You can see sharks and different sort of sea creatures moving through this space. Um, and there is also like kelp-like vines sort of moving through this area as well. There's like a school of singing fish and a crab is singing under the sea, <laughs> <laughs> under the sea. <laughs> Can I not be a crab anymore? Sure. Can we all not be crabs anymore? Because So all of the crabs transform. The only one left is one with a disgusting orange beard. Excellent. Uh, that is good to stop being a crustacean. Uh, I think, and they can all hear me by some magical stone yeah. thing magic magic um i think that we uh should make a very wet camp are we are we is there a floor yeah i'd say that there is as you go through you can see that there are rocky outcroppings throughout that can be landing spaces but there is also a way that you could swim through it and just get to whatever bottom there is here yeah, I think maybe we try and get out as quick as we can because we don't know where we are. If but we run Demos out of water, does, we are. Yeah, yeah Demos yeah. will know where Duck. we are, so I think we, try, we should try and get out first, or at least find a way I'm out. I'm just, I'm just thinking like, why don't we try and attune to that fucking ocean rod? Because ocean maybe, rod. Maybe that idea, actually like controls this entire space, and we can go. Like, it's a pretty hectic it's item. A good idea. Is there somewhere that looks like there then that we can hide? Because I'm, I'm for that. I'm for that. Okay, so you guys begin to make your way through this. Uh, this rocky-like valley. You find a space to land on, and as you do, you sort of situate yourselves in what shadow you can as you watch sea creatures move past you, and you rest in this space. My friends, I uh, I think uh, these uh, poopy faces we have on right now do not uh, reflect the, the big win we just had. What are you talking about? I just got away ah, with the rod. My slippery friend, I am just better at taking things than you are, and I pull the rod out of my boot. Oh, and Shabby show it takes to like damage. <laughs> <laughs> the glare. <laughs> the glare. Shiny rod. And I hold it out in the middle of the group like, does it Does it glow? Does it it's have an this, aura? It's this silver, almost stainless steel looking rod. It's about two foot in length. Um, it seems to have extended after you've touched it. You can also see these arcane swirls that seem to go across it in a language or in a pattern you don't understand. But there are also like barnacles encrusted on either end of it. Uh, as you hold it out, it does seem to glow this whitish blue. It doesn't exude much light, but you can tell it's definitely magical. Just we just sort of opens the bag of holding a little bit, just slightly puts his hand in, 
and then throws coins at Charvi's face and closes the bag. Charvi uses assassinate. (laughs) 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 Drew holds his hand out, but it's still a crab claw. Okay. And I slightly pull the rod away from Drew like... Drew turns back into a human and goes, shiny. And then I give Drew the rod and Ooh. say, I, I think you might know what this does a little bit better than I. I definitely would like to inspect it. Okay, so roll a arcana check, please. That's garbage. That's a five, so I'm going to throw my inspiration at this. That's a worse roll. Fuck. So that's a nine. As you touch this object, the moment your hands clasp around it, you feel this arcane burn that you hadn't felt before. Not a burn that is painful, but almost like this holds immense power that you weren't prepared to channel. You feel like this is going to take a little bit of time to get to know what it does. Well, then I think with maybe, yeah, knowing no direct way out and having this, yeah, blue, shiny, oceany rod with us, maybe we should take a rest so I can attune to it and see how we go. It may help. I, uh, I could go for some, uh, much needed. I don't know about you guys, but I made a promise to get back. I hope she doesn't hold any animosity because <laughs> her name's Animos. Oh, that's good. That's good. To that moment, you guys start to set up a space to just sit down and think about this. And I'll get you guys to roll perception check, please. 15. 30. So I will say, as you guys begin to sit down, Shavi, you're feeling... Uh, a range of emotions at this point, just sweet. You're just looking around, being observant as you always are. You can see the ocean ebb and flow as it does, and you can see fish and sea creatures swimming through this space, but then you can see the current moving uh, in between this valley and coming from this rocky outcropping. It's moving in an unnatural way. Shavi, you look at your sort of warning, and you can see that it is vibrating in a fashion that has done so before, like you're being snuck up on so to speak and you sort of gesture to just sweet which makes his vision just pierce even more at the thing he thought was unnatural it's at that point you watch as it gets closer and closer to the point where it looks as though a solid figure is moving through the ocean but it seems to be invisible and it's at that point you see a wave of magical arcane energy that almost looks like something camouflage in this space like the light didn't bend properly at this one point there is these small specks of dust and sand that flick up as something must have touched down on the rocky encampment that you are on. I instantly pull my pistols and fire off a shot into the smudge of vision that my eyes just can't willingly accept. All right, I'll get you to roll an attack with disadvantage, please. Uh, 22. Okay, so you do hit. Roll your damage. Six points of damage. Okay, so the rest of you now see just we pull his gun. You hear a muffled bang. And you watch as the crown killer pistol just sort of flares this red color. And it's at that point you look towards where he was shooting and you see this purpley green uh, eminence of what looks like a bodily fluid exit a particular individual. You then see a shadowy fall uh, of a camouflage-like instance disapparate. And standing before you, you can see what looks like a very Aquian-looking man. You can see he's wearing gold-encrusted armor that seems to be highly technical. You can see there is gizmos and gadgets that seem to be sitting all through it. You can see that he seems to be wearing a, a hooded piece of armor that reveals his face. And you can see what looks like a, uh, a bluish-green skin and these red sort of looking eyes that seem to be looking directly at you. You can see he also has these two gauntlets that seem to be uh, charged with some sort of 
arcana and you can see them sort of swirling as well. And as he does, he sort of holds up a hand and you can see he gestures and there are two more individuals similar to him that reveal themselves. I do not want to shoot again. They hold up their hands. How can we help you? Uh, the one that you shot moves up towards you and you can see him move a gauntleted hand over the wound and you see it just immediately close and then his armor just sort of knit back together almost like nanotech. Whoops. As it knits back together, you can see him move towards you. He's inspecting the guns up and down. You see his eyebrows sort of crossed and you watch then as he looks towards all of you um, and then he says something in a language you don't understand. You can see him look towards his party in a confused manner and then he realizes you don't understand. So then you watch as his voice changes. And he speaks again to you, this time you do understand. And he says, You are strangers here. This is our valley. We are the Naridians. From where do you hail? Uh, We don't really hail from anywhere in particular, but we find ourselves in your uh, backyard quite uh, unexpectedly. Does uh, Does the name Demos Tortuga ring any bells? He watches they shake their head towards each other. And this individual that seems to be standing in front of you uh, gestures back in your direction. And he says, you must have come from the portal to the south. Absolutely. Completely by accident. We're trying to escape a scary monster. We're very sorry. If you could point the way out of here, we'll be on our way. We don't want any trouble. That portal has been plaguing us for some time. It was an unknown arcane occurrence in our very backyards. We kind of got rid of it, so... How did you do this? You're welcome, mate. Oh, surely not. Tell, how about we'll tell you how and in exchange for letting us out, <laughs> let us go. <laughs> Where would you like to go? Our plane of existence, I believe. This is the underwater realm of the Neridians. You look unadapted for this particular lifestyle, which tells me that indeed you are from an alternate plane. You are confused. Very much so. Pack your things. Come with us. Cool. Okay. I guess we'll follow. Yeah. And I, I sort of say to him, ah, I am uh, sorry about the, uh, we are just a little bit on edge. Nerves mm. a little bit afraid. And the three of them begin to lead you through this canyon. You start to see fields of coral and gardens of anemones that seem to light their way through this space. It's at that point you come over uh, a particular rock formation and go under a secondary bridge. And as you do, it almost opens up into almost like a valley where you can see the rocky structures have been carved into what looks like a cityscape. Looking through this, you can see an underlight of yellows and blues through this space that seem to be naturally occurring uh, through the sea creatures that are here. You also see what looks like traffic lines of fish and various different sea creatures moving past this space. And you can see a tube of what looks like transportation elements that seem to be whizzing through this area. You can see golden spires that seem to go up into the sunlight above, and you can see jellyfish sort of swimming around this area as well. As you begin to float downward, you can see a large anemone-like structure that seems to be pink, yellow, and blue that has its tentacles sort of wailing out. And it's in the center of this circular courtyard. As you look towards it, and you land in this particular space, you can see lighting up as you begin to walk are these various different corals that seem to pathway into a very grand entrance that you can see is a arced doorway. You can see that there are sort of rocky structures through this space and you can see individuals that look like the gentlemen that have found you are swimming in and out of this space. As you get here, he says, welcome to Noredia. 
Here we have lived in relative peace for some kind, for some time. But since that arcane portal came, our machinery, our technology, all that exists upon the arcane weave was unstable. We have seen more catastrophe in the last few days than in our entire existence here. I do not want to appear to just be name-dropping random bits of information, but uh, do you know of a man by that goes by Delnak, the outcast? There is not much we know of your world. We exist here primarily as the apex species. We have no reason to meddle in the affairs of the material landlocked planes. I guess I look at him and we don't want to meddle either. Is there any chance that you know how to get back to that plane where we're from? I am taking you to our primary arcanist. His name is Garen Hara. If anybody can send you back, it will be him. If he cannot, then you best get used to living under the sea. So as you begin to move through this space, you can see various technological advancements that you don't seem to understand through this area. You can see most people in this space seem to be Aquian in nature. And I'll say you've probably seen similar creatures like this in your world, but they seem to be almost like a pre-evolution or a derivative of almost like the ones that are in your plane evolved from these guys. Yeah. Can um, Marduk's roll inside? He wants to find a pub. (laughs) (laughs) Roll roll inside. (laughs) 13. Okay, so looking around, you can see, you know what degenerates look like in any culture? (laughs) My people. (laughs) And as you look around this space, you can see underneath the rocky encampment, you can see what looks like underlit areas that seem to have jellyfish that seem to sit down as umbrellas and people seem to be sitting underneath it, enjoying what looks like this green algae-like beverage. It seems to be about 500 meters to your left as you're swimming off in a particular direction. Might also just note that later after this business is concluded you begin to look in this space and you can see all of this neon like light seems to lead into one building and it seems to be like the science structure of this place you start to see various different flares of not electricity but almost this glowing sort of uh, occurrence as you begin making your way through one of the arcs you eventually follow these individuals through and find a gentleman that seems to be sitting at the top of a dais where he seems to be working on something scientific. You can see a web of seascapes that almost look like uh, veins that seem to move through this area. And every time he sort of interacts with it, it sort of flares and sends a synapse blast through to a different space. Looking at this individual, you can see they have blue skin, glowing blue eyes, goggles on his head. You can see that he's got this golden-like armor and like a Tesla coil that sits on his back that goes down onto his arm that seems to have like a spidering leg worth of steampunk-looking tools on his hand as he's sort of moving through this area. Like a corkscrew? I'd say that he would definitely have a wine corkscrew on there. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a good tool to have on anything, really. Absolutely. Mm. So these guys would not have, like from the sounds of it, seen anyone from another plane before or they don't seem to be surprised by you everybody that's moving through this area don't seem to be surprised by you but it's like you get these looks everywhere you go drew just because of how (laughs) you look so it's not out of the ordinary for you but i would say the other three members of the party there is not a fear but there is like a it's like if you saw like a three-legged dog walking down the street you'd be like oh that's not weird but it's it's interesting okay different as you begin making your way up towards this area i'll say all four of you land on this platform and the three individuals that are with you, you watch as they communicate, and two of them that were with this guy moves away. And you can see 
this bald individual scientist turns around and he opens his his arms and you can see as part of his back you can see two more arms sort of come out like crab-like mechanical arms and you can see he's working behind him on the bench as he's talking to the individual with you they seem to be talking in a hushed tone and you hear what seems to be Garen look towards you and he says Marius what would you have me do I am here constructing my work it is important he looks back and he says these strangers, they made their way outside. They said they have closed the portal. And you watch as he turns around and he looks at all of you. His eyes lock on what seems like probably Drew. And he says, How did you do it? He's assuming you closed it, looking like the most arcanely gifted. They, uh, I may look incredibly gifted. Which I am. Uh, actually, <laughs> it, it, it was not my doing. And I look over and uh, gesture to... Uh, Mardox and say, um, the, the credibility goes to this gentleman right here. They look towards your simple structure and both of them laugh. You come from a different plane and your humor seems to match your strange appearance. He is so plain. You cannot be serious. Well, mate, it all started with how my brother became God. And Marduk just tells a, the blow for blow story of how uh, Jackson, his brother, became a uh, pig fucker. Looking at this individual, the elements that you had used to combine in order to create this explosive effect seem to be completely alien to him, having had no access to the surface, zero access to any fertilizer or any kind of solution. He is completely perplexed by the fact that you, a simple looking person, have concocted this scientific explosive device. As he looks towards you, he says, The chemical compounds seem to enact an explosive effect. How? Well, uh, you, you see, in our, in, on our plane, there is this uh, very uh, reactive and combustible component called uh, oxygen, and uh, it uh, makes boom. What would you trade for knowledge of this? A way out. A way out. <laughs> Where would you like to go? <clears throat> Back to our plane of existence. Do you have anything belonging there? I need to ground you. Mm. Drew's, I think at this, at this moment, as glad as he is that the four of us are still alive, he's can't help but picture the longer that we're spending here, the who knows what's happening. Back at Mediteri, he's thinking about Junus. He looks at Maddie. You know, Who's and he, Maddie? And he, he looks at Shavi and pictures, you know, like Annie Moss. He's, yeah, he, lo he looks at the party and all, all the people that we hold dear and we're worried what Demos could be up to, what's happened to Mediteri. And I think, yeah, he, he looks over at Garen. So, to essentially DD speak, to cast plane shift, you need something attuned to the plane you want to go to. Maybe Matt Mardox's dual encrusted tanker. He, like, grudgingly is like, holds it out. Is this the artifact you wish for me to use? Please be aware that the artifact itself will be destroyed upon the spell's completion. Not to mention, wherever this artifact originated will be where you are transported to. Mm. Marx just snatches it back. Does anybody have anything from Mediteri? Where'd you get your javelin from? I blew it up. Blew it up, that's right. <laughs> mm. All right. Uh, I've got a trident. The trident, sorry. I've got a dagger. Actually, that's way, way worthless. So I got a dagger that I bought in Mediteri. We probably want something from Mediteri then, if that's where we want to go back to. And I'm, I look at the I look at the, the party. So Marduk just sort of like rummages in his pocket and pulls out like a shitty dagger that is 
got laying about. Mardok, you hand over this dagger. As you do, he takes it. And even like the construction of steel, he's like, oh my good. He holds it straight down. And as he does, he says, this will take me some time to process. I would say 12 hours. Well, thank you first. Like, this is very helpful. Anything you can do to get us back that we'd be very grateful for. And I sort of gesture towards towards Mardox that I'm assuming yeah he wants the information of the explodey the the what what did you call it again Mardox the bunyip oh the bunyip bouncer the bunyip bouncer fantastic and I guess if we can have somewhere that we can maybe rest in the meantime while we're waiting uh, that would be amazing many of our people are hospitable and if you tell them you are advancing our culture in the area of science you will be treated as royals it is what we value. Fantastic. Mardox is a folk hero, actually just gets to chill with the peasantry all the time. <laughs> that checks out. <laughs> That's excellent. I'd even be keen to, if we could rest and then for that extra couple of hours, go back and potentially see what else we could learn or trade with them or anything like that. These guys seem pretty hella advanced, so it'd be sick. So, yeah, maybe maybe Mardox can sit down while you guys go start resting. Mardox can sort of sit down and draw pictures of cow shit and like oil. I guess, I mean, and I feel like we've arrows together. I will say that as this takes place, it takes about 20 or so minutes for you to draw the scientific diagram. And despite its simplicity to the rest of you, he seems enamored and in awe by this, this childlike drawing. He's just, oh, of course, the combinations, the, uh, the nitrogen. Yeah, yes, you just see him just completely uh, taken aback by this. You can see Marius standing there as well. And the individual that you had previously shot looks and says, most of our recreational places where you would like to go reside on the palisades below to the east. I can lead you, or if you would prefer to explore on your own, you are most welcome. Well, we'll go find a tavern in where we can find a room to ourselves, because I sort of want to be out of his sight when we pull that rod out. Because for all we know, it's like a magical item to them and it's been stolen for generations and we're the coming of the next messiah. <laughs> I don't know if that, that needs to be sacrificed to another be. giant dragon turtle. So we uh, ask, so uh, do you, uh, how you say, uh, gamble? As a pastime, many of our folk do. Is there a, uh, a uh, hotel in tavern... I'm just trying A space words. for visitors, yes. Could you point us to these the, uh, nicest, uh, most gambliest uh, establishments that you know? You want the great Noridian Casino. That sounds amazing. Anyway, as we're walking, I, I turn to him and I say, uh, so uh, if uh, one of us uh, respectable citizens uh, was to uh, be gambling in uh, your casino, uh, what is the currency that uh, you would expect? Value. Do you value gold? What is gold? And I, you know, pull out a gold coin and hand it to him. Marius takes it and he holds it around and he says, this is similar in composition to what we use in our armories. It holds some value here. No, I look at Jisui <laughs> and then I look at Marius and almost how much of this you know, like looking at the coin, would be needed to create a piece of armor. Oh, uh, looking at this, we can transfigure this single coin into quite a luxurious piece. Say a hundred of them? A thousand? 
10,000? Nobody has that much of these. I'm uh, looking at Marius and just sort of put my hand into the, and pu- into the bag of holding and pull out an entire handful and look at him and go, this is only a fraction. That will do nicely. I think, yeah. Well, uh, we're, we're going to have a quick rest at the tavern and then uh, maybe we go see this armorer of yours and... Uh, you can keep, yeah, maybe they can keep some, some of what's left over in exchange for maybe helping us out. But while, while we're at it, before we leave the, the sort of workshop. Um, no, we're not at the workshop. We're oh, just walking oh, to the end with old All lady. Right. Well, before we left and had this conversation with the armory, Mardox um, says to the Garen, says Garen, um, um, I wonder if you could come up with a, uh, a design for something I've been thinking about. And he slides over three pieces of paper. The first one is like a stick figure with a, a mullet holding what looks like a German stick grenade. And then the next piece of paper is like a smiling mulleted stick figure and like a big explosion. And then the third one is two stick figures holding hands. One's a, we've got a mullet, one's got long hair and they're standing on a boat. And he's like, oh, no, 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 that one, that's, that one's <laughs> <laughs> uh, why did that look a lot like Drew? <laughs> uh, as he looks towards you, he says, This may not explode in the fashion that you would like it to, but I can make something combustible. Indeed. A, a handheld bunyip bouncer. Yes, a handheld bunyip bouncer. <laughs> uh, so I'll say that conversation happens and he begins to tinker away as you guys exit having your prior conversation with Marius. Eventually, you do find your way to what looks like a a semicircled sort of alleyway that seems to have various different outlets all across the left and the right side. And at the very end of it, you can see this almost completely golden or pearlescent building that seems to have like Century 21 lights just sort of floating uh-huh. through this area as there's various different patrons moving through. You can see chariots that seem to be drawn by large seahorses that have various patrons through it. And you can see what looks like a massive tube that goes into this space that seems to be carrying lots and lots of people. And it's at that point you can see that everybody that seems to be going in here seems extremely well-dressed. They all seem to have that blue Aquian-looking feature of them, and you can see they have their fins adorned with various different sorts of copper-looking jewellery or something similar in that vein. Uh, And as you walk into this space, you do get people looking at you as you do seem underdressed for this space. Uh, We could reach into the bag of holding and get some bling out. I know that Mardox definitely threw a crown in there. And then uh, you just see uh, Jusui and Mardox just sort of like pouring through the bag of holding. Jusui grabs out some massive like Mr. T style jewelry and just <laughs> throws that yeah, on. Yeah. It's almost and, uh, you, you look at them and just nothing. And then you look one way and look back and they're just covered in jewels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> rings well, and bracelets and shit. Yeah. Like with Marius deck. is sort of looking at all the different areas and pointing to all the different places you can go. The four of you completely ignoring him as he looks back. You're all just decked out with feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And at that point, he looks towards you, smiles, and he holds out this. It, it looks almost like a, a slate-like card, and he hands it to Jesui, and he says, The palace, this will gain you entry without me. For when you need to go back and see Garden. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for your time, uh, Mr. Marius, and uh, uh, peace be with you. And like, I do a flourish and sort of awkward bow and uh look at him and then as you do that awkward bow you watch as he grasps your hand like forearm to forearm 
As he looks around towards you, he says, I must thank you for meeting people of your... Ah, persuasion. Yes, it is a once in a lifetime. You have made me a very happy fish. Is there, um, ladyfish? Of course. Is it lady... Is, is there lady of the night fish? There are ladies that frequent this establishment at night time, yes. He doesn't get what you're saying. So, uh... So uh, what my friend is uh, trying to del- indelicately put uh, his statement is, uh, does your species? Oh, procreation is entirely an unemotional affair. If you wish to visit the nurseries and the spawning chambers, I can take uh, you there. Is that, uh, is that uh, uh, okay. uh, you see the trumpets beginning to erupt as you enter this space. You can see that there are people entering at multi-levels in this entryway as well, and you also see various different sort of gambling tables. You can see crabs, which is like craps, but it's played with crabs. Ah, got it. And you can also see this roulette-looking wheel that seems to be moving across the area. You also see people sort of sitting in this space. Just we uh, sees the roulette wheel and uh, just looks at his companions and then I... uh I think uh, with the way our luck has been going lately, I think I might uh, go and see what this is all about. Uh, walk over to the table. As, as just so he's leading, Marcus quickly grabs him by the shoulder and then gets like a handful of coins out of the... Yeah, the, yeah that's fair. And then I go over to the table and I pull out, you know, a good stack of maybe 20 coins, 20 gold. And uh, I look at the table and what do I... Okay, I'm rolling perception to see if I can figure out how to gamble effectively on okay. this table straight away. Gotcha. Whilst that's happening, Xavi, I'll say you're looking at Marius as he leaves. Can you please roll an insight check for me? 17. Okay, so looking at this space, it's very similar to the uh, gambling games that you're used to. You can see a large wheel, various different colors, and there are also different symbols on the outside. It appears you can either go for color or go for symbol. It's up to you. Um, so I put a, uh, I put a nice stack of 10 onto a certain symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's 20 symbols all the way around and there's two different colors. Yep. So I put it on one color of a certain symbol. So we'll say there's white and blue and okay. there's 20 different symbols. Yeah. So I basically put, what you... I what, put 10 gold on... Is it just roulette? So basically what you're seeing is as you, as you watch a few people win and lose, you can see people seem to get more money if they put their coins on the exact symbol that pops up, which is a one in 20 chance but you can see that they almost double if they get the right color. All right, so blue on a symbol that, you know, one or two people have won on before, 10 gold, and then 10 gold just on blue. Okay. While this is uh, happening, that was a 19 for insight for Marius mm-hmm. heading away. Drew's almost going to tap you guys on the shoulders as you're doing that, still thinking about Mediterranean, everything that's happening back there, wants to find somewhere where he can rest and attune to this rod. Yeah, I've rolled nuts. 30, 20 okay, the- so both of you looking at Marius, you sort of have this moment between you looking at one another. These guys have been extremely helpful to you and nobody's that helpful to you without mm. wanting something in return. And yes, you have given them, you've given them this explosive device that they seem to be very enamored by, but you've also shown them a lot of different things that you have. You're starting to think that the strangeness of you and the various different elements upon your person could interest them to the point that they don't let us go. So that's what you two sort of gather as okay. Mardox and Jusui enthusiastically well then, go to gamble. As I, then I think what I'll probably do is as I, as I sort of gather that and I walk off towards, you know, trying to find a place to, to stay. If we've got 12 hours, potentially 
just we could, you know, I tap him on the shoulder and I say, you know, I got a, I got a weird vibe from Marius. Like I, I'm almost concerned that they may want all of what we have and potentially not let us go with you only needing four hours rest and we've got 12 hours to kill. Perhaps, you know, if you could stay awake, have a good time, sort of maybe keep an eye on what's happening for the next eight hours and then we can take turns sort of thing while waiting that last four hours. completely agree, my friend. Just, uh, just, just two seconds, two seconds, and I'm... Uh, Roll the dice! Okay, <laughs> at that as well, I'll say, Mardox, you come back from the bar and you can see these green slushy liquids in this sort of shell-like cup and you hand one to your swing and you hand one to yourself as this happens. Okay, so for the blue, evens or odds, you lose. Aww. So for the blue, you watch as they take your gold away and you watch then as they spin again for your number. Pick a number between 1 and 20. 12. 19. Okay, so you watch as the symbol falls on something other than the one you had and you watch as the dealer essentially takes your entire gold set away. You can see Jusui sort of like nodding as if he's learnt something here and you can see as well as that it's at that moment Mardox gives you the drink. Ah, delicious. Uh, can I... <laughs> bottoms uh, up. Can I roll... Bikini bottoms up. Medicine or nature or... Can I roll something to see if this is going to kill me? Uh, <laughs> Mardox yes. is already halfway through it. Okay. <laughs> You can roll perception because you're watching what happens to Mardox. <laughs> and Mardox, you can roll a constitution saving throw. Uh, 14. It is 18. Okay, so looking across you, you feel it um, almost like sludgily make its way down into your throat. It's like drinking mud, essentially. It tastes very similar to that as well. Looking at his body, you watch Jusui as his complexion turns a shade of green and then you watch as it fades back away. But then you can see slowly growing out of the top of his head is a fin <laughs> that looks like it's going halfway down his neck i uh look at mardox look at the sludge and just put it on a table beside me okay mardox near- picks it up 13 you can see that across your shoulders there seems to be these scales that seem to protrude across and underneath your fl- the more you drink of this the more it seems to affect you uh my friend uh no more of uh the alcoholic seaweed my friend as you look towards it as well and you look inside, you can see that there almost seems to be small organisms moving through this whole entire thing, like the live culture. Can, can I speak fish now? You begin to hear the clamour around you still be inaudible, but you think that you can. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after losing the 20 gold and uh, learning a valuable lesson about gambling, kids, you lose more than you make. Set um, a deposit limit. <laughs> Just we uh, turns to everybody and goes, uh, well, uh, I think we should find the uh, concierge, don't you? And we walk towards... Like- I'll say you and Mardox do that because these guys have been away for a little bit now while you guys have been drinking and gambling. So he's, after you had um, notified Jusui, Drew, of that, that uh, concern, you and Shavi have a moment to converse and go up to a room if you'd like to. Uh, yeah, I guess I look over at Shavi on her, on her way to, to a room and yeah, I, I guess I tell him... I, I, I can't help but worry, like, did Demos create the portal that, you know, that, that we destroyed? Is he going to create another one? What's he going to be doing to Mediteri while we're not there? Thinking about Junus, uh, thinking about, you know, even, and then to a greater extent, you know, the the main plot at hand, Delnak, and just worried. Like, I know, I know we, we don't have much of a choice but to be here for 12 hours, but that's a... Could be a long time, and who knows what's happening. Yeah, I'm in the same mindset. Um, after seeing what I saw just then with that Marius did, I don't really like this much. I think we don't really have a choice because we kind of destroyed our own means of escape that we know of. 
So I think we kind of just have to wait it out and see what this ha- what happens here. But uh, yeah, I, I just want to get back. Play, yeah, play face. Seem like we're all happy, but definitely be be on edge, be wary. Shavi's just going to nod. He's going to put his ring on and go invisible again. He's not going to let anyone know what he's doing. He's kind of, he wants to find just Sui and steal the bag. So as you guys are having this conversation, Drew and Shavi, you sort of start to notice that the longer that you seem to be here, the more you reveal about yourself and therefore the more likely it is that they'll want more things from you. Looking at this space, Drew, you go into the um, the room in order to attune to this object and you can see that there are various different sort of curtains of kelp that seem to be throughout this space and there doesn't appear to be any beds, but there does appear to be like hammock-like devices for you to sleep in that seems very luxurious and pearlescent through this area too. Shavi, you begin to take off down the stairs. Roll a perception check to see if you can find... Um, Mardox and Jusui. The only obstacle will be the crowd. Um, for my knowledge, Mardox, how many drinks would you have had between your first and coming toward where Drew? I mean, true, true, two in camera, but how many on the? Oh, only, only the two, because he didn't realize he's turning into a fish. All right, so I'll say that because it's above a ten, you can see Jusui gambling at the table, and you can see Mardox as well. And you watch as they begin to turn at this point, make their way through the crowd and start to find their way towards somebody who works here, attempting to look for the room that you guys are at. Yeah, so Shavi just wants to make his way down. Yeah, and with all purpose of thinking of just getting home, stopping what's going on here and just laying low. He wants to steal the bag. So one in spite of just we rubbed it in his face. Two to slow down what they're doing because he knows that we're making a ruckus and they're noticing. And three kind of to be selfish because it's going to help him when he gets back. So you make your way towards Jusui, invisibly moving between these fish people as you're sort of swimming at three dimensions at this space. You can see the bag of holding on his hip or on his back sort of area. Uh, I'll get you to roll a sleight of hand check and I'll say opposed by your investigation as well in this moment. 30. Eight. Because of the weightlessness of this area under the water, you don't notice as well as you would have in any other space that the bag has been lifted off your belt. Charvi, you have it in your hands and at the moment it touches your grasp, it immediately goes invisible as does everything that you carry in this uh, area. You hear just we and a fish looking Mardox converse with an individual while you have a moment to go through the bag. All right, so eventually you guys all reconvene at this moment. Mardox busts in looking more Aquian than he did before. Jusui busts in as well. Uh, Drew, you're sitting there in meditative stance with this rod in your hand and Shavi seems to be invisibly somewhere in here or out of here. You're not too sure. But you all reconvene in the room. Long rest. Gotcha. Okay, so during this long rest, you seem to be uninterrupted. Attuning, Drew? Yep. And... So at some point during your rest, just where you go to show everybody the amazing amount of treasure that you've accumulated and you find that it the bag is no longer on your person. My friends, uh, it seems we may have a little bit of a problem. It, it clocks on your mind, Jusui, that they found this object that you're carrying, this gold, very valuable. So I'd say your immediate thought would yeah. be someone's pinched it. That's exactly what my immediate thought yep. is. Um, so Mardox, you hear this. Drew, you're in mid-trance. And invisibly, Shavi, you hear it as well. The fucking fuck. I uh, I think our bag of the holding is uh, currently misplaced. Shavi, Shavi will pipe up and he'll talk and just say, well, just see, maybe you should start focusing a bit more on the real thing at hand rather than just throwing your gold on it. 
Yeah, so I'll say the voice is omnipresent and then you just see like Bilbo Baggins just standing on top of the bed holding it in front of you. Well, that is just a little bit uh, sneakier than expected. And then I turn around and just uh, resume my meditation. All right, Marduk is going to punch Darby. Roll an attack. You're about to go to sleep. <laughs> Nine. Yeah, so you, you, how do you dodge it, Shavi? Um, literally just standing there and just tilt to the side, like mm. just missing. Like. You see a webbed hand go past your head, and then as Mardox, you realize the hand is webbed, you kind of get a bit scared. <laughs> like, <laughs> <fuck>. <laughs> uh, you pull it back, um, and then you go and resume your rest. Drew, while you are attuning, as you're attuning, you start to hear the sounds of the ocean within your ears. You hear the sounds of various different... Aquian mammals just emanating through your space and then you start to hear the thunderous sound of a storm in the distance. At that point is then as well you can see almost as if you're sitting in a ocean expanse and looking down you can see the dark black gradient seems to get closer and closer towards you. You can see sea creatures rushing up from this space that seem to be trying to get away from something and as you look down it almost looks like the mouth is beginning to open. This humanoid mouth that seems to be encompassed by this large white beard seems to come over you. These yellow eyes looking at you in this space. You can see barnacles encrusted across the face as well. And you can see this flowing mane of white hair that seems to be ever encompassing as it swallows you. You all watch as just we, uh, Mardox and Shavi, look at Drew and he's completely saturated. And he's holding this barnacled rod in his hands. And as he opens his eyes, you can see that on either end, of the rod, one end ejects into this sharp spear-like point and the other ejects and then operates into this large triton uh, situation. And as you swish it around, you can see an arcane vortex of water move around you and you can see it just begin to encompass this space that you're in underneath the ocean waves. It appears Drew has attuned to the rod of fathoms. Fathoms. That sounds very Fathoms. That's it for this week's episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. This episode was Tom as Mardox, Kyle as Jaswi, Maddie as Shavi, and Michael as Drew, and me, Aaron, as your Dungeon Master. We'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to each and every episode each fortnight. It has been amazing to see you coming back and sharing our Dungeons & Dragons stories. If you want to catch up after the times of the show, we have an active Instagram and our Discord link is in the show notes below. So come on over and say hi. In other TTRPG podcast news, the Dungeon Boys have finally come back from their relaxing break and they are off and running with their brand new episode. So make sure you go and check them out and share some love. And as always, be valiant. <laughs>